All right, so this is the second session of the church membership class at Mercy Hill Church, February 3rd, 2019. And we are going to go into session two. I don't know what number or page number that is in your books, but session two is all about West Coast uh, purpose and mission. And uh, we'll dive uh, into that. And uh, so here we go. And so basically you may wonder what in the world, why did why is there a church? What's the point of church? It's a lot of work, it seems like, <laughs> and time and effort. It's, it's an investment of time and effort and energy. So why do we do this thing? And so that's kind of what we're getting into here. And I always love this part because it reminds me, you can sometimes as a pastor get uh, bogged down with some, some negative stuff. And this reminds me, oh yeah, this is what it's all about. And so here's the first thing is A in your notes under session two. The purpose of the church is to be a display of God's glory, to be a display of God's glory. Basically, we want to put God and his character, who he is, just to showcase him. It's sort of like show and tell. Back in the day as kids, we would take this object or fascinating toy and show off to the rest of our students or fellow students, look how amazing this thing is. And that's what the local church is doing. It's like, here's our God. Here's here's the, the most beautiful person in the universe and most attractive person in the universe. And he's real and he loves you. You know, that's kind of the, the gospel in a nutshell. Uh, you may, I don't know if you guys ever shop at Willowbrook Mall. And uh, do you guys go there once in a while? Yeah. At Christmas, maybe more than other times. And uh, you may know that there's been a bunch of robberies of the jewelry stores <laughs> over the years. Over which yeah, <laughs> I live right there, so we've, I don't know whether I've just tuned in more so because of that. And the question is, why do they rob jewelry stores? Well, they're robbing something that's very beautiful and expensive and attractive. And just jewelry, jewelry stores, by their very nature, you might know that they basically have on the outside of their store these glass uh, cases and inside of them are these beautiful diamond rings and watches and, and bracelets and necklaces and the reason that they put them on the outside is because they kind of advertise themselves if you will they showcase themselves if you put them on the outside where people can see them then people are drawn in and they say wow and that's kind of what we are to be uh, with God we are uh, sh like glass showcase or glass displays where we see God changing us and the world sees that and they say I want what you, what you have you know you've yeah. been transformed and changed there's something different about you there's something attractive about you and not just your your physical appearance but your <laughs> the inner the inner person and I want that so that's kind of what we are is walking uh, display cases for God showing off the glory of God is that in your notes there's a sort of fill in the blank off. showing off the glory of God and his goodness uh, to the world and the ways in which we display God's glory the way that we show God off if you will kind of like show and tell uh, are these next three reasons I think in your notes here's the first reason is by reflecting Christ's love to us and how we love one another by reflecting Christ's love to us in how we love uh, one another. It's like we're mirrors. We, the, the love of Christ comes to us and then we're reflecting it to you and to you and to you. And people see that and they see the love of Christ and how we're, we're loving each other in our local church. And so what I've been doing, Angela, is been asking people to, to, to helpfully read some scripture along the way, partially to keep everyone awake, including myself. Uh, <laughs> and uh, can I get someone to read John 13, 34 and 35? These are just amazing no, verses. Thank you. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You are also to love one another. 
by this all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. Good stuff. And so how we love one another is the proof that Jesus is among us and that his love is being felt and experienced by us. It's, it's that display case again. And they see the love of Jesus in us and they, they were like, wow, there's something different. We, how, how many times have I heard people coming to our church? Yes, we're not a big church, but they come here and they spend some time here and they're just like, I'm feeling some love here. And they don't get that in their workplace or wherever they're going. Yeah. And like they don't have any church background and it's just a weird, good thing for in their eyes. And they're feeling the love of Jesus and how we love one another. Uh, the second way in which we reflect, uh, we show God off is by our transforming conversion. It should be by our transformative conversion. Either. Transform a kid. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just going to close this door. Transformative or conversion. Yeah. Yes, or conversion. Uh, can I get someone to read Second Corinthians four fifteen there, please? I guess it'll be me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's only so many options today. <laughs> uh, for it is all all for your sake, so that as grace extends to more and more people, it may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. Okay, so the grace is God's unmerited favor. He's giving it to more and more people who they haven't done anything to earn it, but they're being saved by Jesus from trusting in Him. And it's being extended. More and more people are becoming Christians. Today, there might be as many as 3 billion Christians. That's amazing. Yeah. And that's a testament to the ex existence of God. Yes. And people are like, wow, there's something to this. Yeah. And my story was, um, I, <laughs> I had a, a bit of a complicated childhood in terms of my Christianity. Yes, I was baptized, I think, at a too young of an age, at age eight. And it actually was a very profound spiritual moment for me. But then I got into my teen years and I sort of rejected it and quit youth group. And I was just, a, I had a bad attitude. I, I wasn't terribly well motivated. And my marks were tanking. Then all of a sudden there was a bit of a, a revival in my high school where a lot of my former unchurched friends were becoming Christians and becoming just becoming alive spiritually and going to church and dropping the, the alcohol and the drugs. I'm like, something something's going on. I better take this stuff seriously, at least give it a chance. It might be true. And sure enough, I discovered it was. And then I became, I believe, born again in that moment. And I remember my grade 11 English teacher, who I gave a very hard time prior to my conversion, asking me explicitly in front of the whole class, what is going on with you? You are different. You're not giving me a hard time anymore. And then at that moment, I'm like, it was Jesus. Like I, I was like, either yeah. I tell her the truth or not. And I guess this is the time I do that. Yeah. yeah. And it was like, wow, the fact that I had courage to do that, I would never Ooh. have done that previously, right? Yes. In front of my peers in grade 11, yeah. right? You know? <laughs> so, yeah. but that was, people saw the, the grace of God and the glory of God through me, you know, and who am I? I was just a, you know, a rebellious kid formerly. And uh, so anyhow, I better move on. That's one way in which we display God is by our conversion. Thirdly is, is simply by how we live our everyday lives, by how we live our everyday lives. So it's the, the day in, day out sort of side of things. And 1 Corinthians 10.31 says, so whether you eat or drink, Whatever you do, so it kind of includes everything that we do, uh, do all to the glory of God. I think of Angela in her workplace, you know, that's, that's got to be a, that's a tough environment in which to work. 
but thank God you're there because you're there as a Christian witness. And like you were mentioning to me, it's sort of like you feel like a pastor. You're doing so much counseling and mm-hmm. spiritual direction for people. And that's what you're doing. You're displaying God working through you, and, and, and you're a part of this local church family. So you represent that. So. Yeah. Um, so how you do your marriage, how you do your parenting, how you do your work, it's all about in the back of your mind, how, does this bring glory to God in some way? Now, you can feel the weight of that and get sort of depressed because we fail a lot as well and sin a lot. <laughs> but uh, that's the grace of God. We confess our sins and you look at the, the general trend of our life and it is changing and people can see that day in and day out. Yeah. So that's the main purpose is to showcase the greatness and the goodness of God is part A. Part B, now we're moving into our mission statement as a church at Mercy Hill. And here it is. You may have noticed it in the bulletin from time to time. It is this. This is why we exist, to make disciple, making disciples of Jesus for God's glory. Okay, so a disciple is by his or her very nature, someone who reproduces himself or herself. Okay, there's that, that, that reproduction element to it. And uh, where are we? <laughs> so can I get someone to read that uh, Great Commission passage, Matthew 28, 18 to 20, please? And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Awesome. Now, there are four key verbs are you guys grammar people was that yeah Yeah. school teacher of course so i loved grammar did you okay i want you to circle uh the four key verbs are go make disciples baptizing and teaching go make disciples baptizing and teaching now one of those four is in the original Greek language is known to be a central primary verb. Is there such a thing in English as well in grammar? Is there a central verb? Maybe not. Just by probably not. <laughs> but something about the Greek is it's like it's it's so clear that this is the center of this, and that is make disciples. So right. so basically, I got it here somewhere. I wrote it down. So it's, can you read that? Make disciples is yeah. the central. So yeah. how do we make disciples? By baptizing, well, first by going. Go. Then, once they become Christians, we baptize them yeah. into Jesus, and then we teach them the ways of Jesus, what it is to be a Christian. Yeah. So, making disciples is not that complicated, yeah. and it's all about reproducing who we are, what I've received from Christ, and now I want to put that in other people uh, as He empowers me to hmm. do so. It's so freeing to have a simple approach to just doing ministry. And so there you go. That's our mission. And that's what we're all about at, uh, Mercy, I was going to say Mission Hill Church, Mercy Hill, <laughs> Mercy Hill Church. Now that is our mission statement. Let's move on to C, which is our values. And we have four key values for why we exist as a church. And the first key value is number one, worship. It is worship. We exist in part to worship God. And what is it to what does it mean to worship? It means simply ascribing worth to something. And so 
If I'm worshiping my phone, for example, I will say this is the best phone I have ever used. It helps me so greatly. I love it. So that sounds ridiculous. I'm, actually, probably I feel a lot of these things, but I actually like this phone. But, but in a much greater way, more important way, I'm doing that with God. Look how great he is. Look how good he is. Yeah. Look how amazing. He's the most beautiful person in the universe. And that's what ascribing worth to God. That's what worship is. And A under worship is this. We are all about, as a church, worshiping God exclusively. Worshiping God exclusively. And that means we are limited with our worship, okay? Uh, he's the only God that we are to worship. Can I get one of you to read Exodus 20, verse 3 and 4 there, please? Um, you shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath, and or that is in the water under the earth. Good stuff. So please circle uh, no other gods before me in verse 3 there. It's very clear. And, uh, you know, God, that's important to God. You know, he wants to be his, our only God, or he wants to be our only God. Yes, that's right. And uh, so we kind of... Uh, beat uh, the horse on some certain things in the teaching. And one of these things is the, the God replacement, the idol thing that we mentioned. And basically an idol would be, and actually it's meant, idols are mentioned there, a carved image. So that would be an idol. So an idol is simply a God replacement. And idol worship is simply turning a good thing into a God thing is always a bad thing. So like this phone is a good tool. Your phone is a good tool when it works. Yeah. Uh, but, <laughs> but turning a good thing into a God thing backfires in the end. And that can be leisure. It can be clothing, fitness, you know, all these things, sex, money, and power, technology, uh, cars, houses, careers, kids, kids even can be put above God. And that's problematic as well, because kids will disappoint, you know, yes, <laughs> kids don't always come they through. Will disappoint. Yeah, yeah. They, they're not good messiahs. You know, <laughs> they, they, they will fail as we will. We will all fail. That's the thing. God does not fail. No. Doesn't it make sense to just make him our God and lone messiah? The B under worship is that we worship God corporately. Corporately. Corp. Yeah. Basically together with other Christians. And the Sunday mornings is really that. Ephesians 5.19 is all about. Corporate. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It's your. Corp. 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 Eight. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Ephesians 5.19 says in 20, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Singing, so that's a big, that's important to God. It's important to our church. Making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. So, there it is. That's our job. We're supposed to do that regularly, and that's why we do it. C in our notes under worship is that we worship God twenty four seven, twenty four slash seven. And so, yes, there's Sunday morning worship, but then there's the 24-7 Monday morning worship as well, which is hard <laughs> sometimes. Uh, but uh, Romans 12, one, I'll just go ahead. Uh, basically, I, I appeal to you, brothers, therefore, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. If you can underline uh, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, and then your spiritual worship. And there is that element. Now, again, you can feel somewhat overwhelmed by that. It's like, oh boy, worshiping God every minute of every day. Um, none of us can do that perfectly. Let's just be frank about that. But yeah, we're aiming to do that. It's not just a Sunday morning thing. Yeah. Um, so the first key value for our church is worship. The second key value out of four is mission. 
kind of talked about this already, so I don't spend too much time fleshing this out. I talked about how we make, basically 2A is making more disciples as we live our everyday lives. Making more disciples as we live our everyday lives, built on uh, that passage we already looked at, which was Matthew 28, 18 uh, to 20. And so our hearts break that we still have people in our lives who are not yet Christians, and we want them to meet Jesus, to be, trans- to be saved and transformed by him. And uh, that's what drives us to reach out. If, if we don't have mission, we're just hanging out as a country club. And that's no fun. Well, it might be fun. <laughs> but it gets boring after a while. Yeah. We need new people, you know, yeah. uh, for the sake of Jesus and for their own sake. That's our second key value. Our third key value as a church is community. Community is our third key value there, number three. And this is a sense of... Basically, I better not steal the thunder, but basically a sense of togetherness. And we want that to happen in Sunday mornings. We also want to happen it to happen in our what we call community groups. And these are smaller groups that meet during the week, five to 15 people. That's why we often say Sundays are not enough for your soul. Yeah. And it's tough for people uh, work-wise and stuff. And, and we're finding that to be, we find that people are busier now that it's even more difficult for them to integrate into a, a community group. Yeah. And so we're trying to find creative ways to, to make that happen. Um, but uh, so anyhow, so let's move on to community. What does that look like exactly according to the Bible? Uh, 3A in your notes is this. Community is all about showing family affection and sincere love. Showing family affection and sincere love. Romans 12, 10a says, love one another with brotherly family affection. And there, that is, like I talked about that, uh, several people over the years, they don't have a church background. They come, they're like, I can feel the love here. Like, you actually care about each other and you don't, you're not related. It's weird, you know, <laughs> and that's what's supposed to happen. But we are brothers and sisters in Christ when we're uh, a part of the family of God. So I get that feel when I go into the BSF too. You do. There you I go. Do you don't know these, or you didn't know them initially. No. And, and, and a couple Thursdays ago, I was kind of heavy of heart. I got out of the car and I walked through the front door and it all lifted. Wow. It just was like, yeah. wow. That's powerful. Like, well, that, was was flute. that was, it was an argument with the granddaughter. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> we have a flute in our I house too. I didn't win. <laughs> <laughs> gotcha. Oh, funny. Yeah, it's that powerful. Oh. That's why, you know, the more, the more you come, the more you feel the benefits. And it's not tangible necessarily. It's just sort of like, oh, wait a minute. I got a sense that people care about me here. Yeah. You know, and it's oh, good. Yeah. Um, the second thing about community and its value in a church, in our church, is that it's all about showing honor and respect to all. Showing honor and respect to all. Uh, Romans 12, 10b says, outdo, it's almost like a competition. Outdo one another in showing honor. And so our goal is, we've said this over the years, we want every single person, no matter who they are, whatever background they have, everyone that you lock eyes with, you're caring for them, you're respecting them as an individual, no matter, they might have a crazy background and that's, you know, actually all of us have crazy backgrounds, just some of us are better at hiding it than others, but we want everyone to be valued as a fellow image bearer of God, whether they're a Christian or not. And, and that's really important. Um, because everyone has value in God's eyes, so they should have value in our, our eyes as well. Uh, C under community and what it looks like is that it's all about meeting each other's needs. Meeting each other's needs. Romans 12, 13a says, contribute to the needs of the saints. 
And uh, I don't know how many cars have been given away here. I, I probably exaggerate all these numbers after a while. <laughs> I think it's five or six free cars have been given to people in the church that needed That's it. Wonderful. It's yeah, amazing. It yeah. uh, Kelly McNeil broke her ankle in two places recently. And, mm -hmm. you, you know, I talked about all uh, the meals, that, all the meals yeah. and they had three weeks in advance. Yeah. And this is after a month already. Yeah. Yeah. So they still had three weeks of frozen meals left uh, uh, to still eat. And so... But that's that's what happens. You, yes. you hang around here and you, you say, oh, wow, people actually come through when I need it. Yeah. And it's pretty neat. And so that's a big part of community. D in your notes is that it's all about showing hospitality. So there's a hospitality angle to what community looks like in a local church family. Romans 12, 13b is all about seeking to show hospitality. This is tough in our day and age. Uh, but I think hospitality probably happens less now than perhaps maybe any time before. And uh, so when it happens, it's really amazing. I've actually, we've actually had that happen. We, what we try to do generally, we don't do a great job at this, is if there's a new family in the church, try to have them over to our home if they are two or three time um, attenders. And there's one family that we invited to our home and they had a bunch of little kids. And basically at the end of our time, it was like a Sunday afternoon, they were saying to us, wow, this is really nice. Like it was it was a weird thing, and I realized they haven't kind of experienced this, I think, yeah. you know? Yeah. So, and not that we were anything special. It was just simply open yeah. your home. Yeah. We're going to have some desserts, and we're just going to hang out and chat. There was no agenda. I wasn't preaching, you know? <laughs> <laughs> that would have backfired, I'm sure. But that was, the heads up is, this is, hospitality is powerful, and we should be doing more of this. Mm -hmm. E in your notes, there's actually E, F, and G left. E is simply sharing each other's joys is a part of what community fellowship, relationship building is all about. Romans 12, 15a says, rejoice with those who rejoice. So you got a new job, fantastic. I'm not gonna be jealous, I'm gonna be happy for you, you know? You know, you got the promotion, fantastic. You're pregnant, let's not assume you're pregnant again. But if you were, we would rejoice. <laughs> Maybe you wouldn't. <laughs> if my wife was pregnant, I don't know that I'd be rejoicing either. Um, but anyhow, but we rejoice when there's good things happen. We're not jealous. We're happy for each yeah. other. And then along with that, we share F, each other's sufferings. Sharing each other's sufferings. And that's happened a lot in our church <laughs> over the years. You know, there's been, there's been cancer. There's been, you know, mm -hmm. a lot of negative things along the way. And thank goodness for the church family because, you know, even Kelly, it's not... That was a pretty pretty dramatic bad yeah. thing and very painful. And it was hard on Ian to navigate that as well. So, mm -hmm. And that's hence that yeah. we want to show grace to each other, to help each other yeah. through those hard times. Yes. G in your notes about community is that it's all about living in unity. Uh, okay, so we want to get along here. <laughs> we don't want to be fighting with each other. That never works well in a family. Why should it work well in a church family? It doesn't. Romans 12, 16. Can I get one of you to read that for us, please? Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. There you go. So live in harmony with each other. Haughty, that sounds weird, but it just means prideful. Yeah. And kind of being wise in our own sight. So if I'm really all about myself, I'm probably not going to be living in harmony with others because you're not worshiping me, so I'm angry. You know, <laughs> let's, let's be humble and let's live in harmony and unity with each other. That is our third key value. Our fourth key value is service. So let's move on to the next and the final key value of Mercy Hill Church, that being service. 
And A is your service in the church is essential for its growth and encouragement. Your service, your volunteering in the church is essential for its growth and encouragement. Our, we are completely dependent upon our volunteers each and every Sunday and for our midweek stuff as well. We were talking about that. Yes, people have to come so early to get it all set up. Yeah. And the signs are all out. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's, there's a fair bit of stuff there. Yeah. We we have a team. So generally, guys help out about once a month. Yeah. And then our staff are here every every Sunday, but you know, it's sort of part of the job, you know. Um, but yeah, there's a fair bit of stuff. And uh, so, it, it, yeah, it, it's good. Uh, for a under, a under service is simply your service in the church. Did I say this already? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. So let's move on. Ephesians 4.11. Uh, he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers. And I want you to underline this entire verse of 12. <laughs> to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. So the leadership's job, my job, is to equip other Christians to do ministry. That's my job. I know it's part of your job to train other people as well. Is there an aspect of that? And um, that's that should be my job. I don't actually do a great job at that. And sometimes I'm doing too much myself, and I have to remind myself, no, I need to be, need to be training others to do ministry. and Because uh, that's what they need, and that's what our church needs. That's what I need. <laughs> uh, be under service is this, that each Christian has been given at least one spiritual gift to serve in the church with. Each Christian has been given at least one spiritual gift to serve in the church uh, with. I would like someone to read 1 Corinthians 12, 4, 5, 6, and 7 there, please. Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. That's amazing. So wow. it says, yeah, to each is given. So the Holy Spirit has given the Christian a spiritual gift to serve the church family with. And uh, some of some people, like I think yourselves, have multiple spiritual gifts. <laughs> um, and that's why, you know, so there has to be an outlet. And I think it's sort of, sort of like the Dead Sea, you know, it doesn't have an outlet. That's why it's dead. And if we're not using that spiritual gift, you know, I'm... I don't want to take it too far. It's not as if we'll die inside, but we're not doing what we're meant to be doing, you know? Yeah. And so that's that's an important element of that. And of course, it's not just limited to the local church. Like I think of Angela, she's using, you're using your, your, your spiritual gifts in your workplace. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's, that's a great thing. Sure. That's a great thing yeah. as well. Uh, C under service is that we are to serve enthusiastically. We are to serve enthusiastically. Sometimes 7.30 a.m., Sunday setup, enthusiasm is in short supply, okay? <laughs> when the signs are being put up, the enthusiasm can sometimes be in short supply, which is why I need, I need to repent. Uh, Romans 12, 11 says, Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. So there's a connection with service and zeal and enthusiasm. And if we're lacking in it, it's time to pray. <laughs> and I pray a lot. I have to because I can sometimes be overly negative. But enthusiasm and serving Jesus that way is important. And lastly, under service is D. Our motive for serving must be unselfish love. Our motivation for serving must be unselfish love. Can I get one of you to read Galatians 5.13 there, please? 
For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love, serve one another. There it is. Can I get you to circle through love, serve one another? That's the motivation. I care about you, therefore I will serve you. I care about Jesus, I will serve him. And that's why we do this thing. That's why we sacrifice. Some people on the outside of the church might look at a volunteer that that serves anywhere from two to five hours per week as a volunteer. And they're like, why would you do that? Well, I love Jesus and I love the church family. I want to help them, you know. That's why we serve our own, you know, you you have kids. We love them. That's why we do <laughs> we do anything for them, and so we would do uh, we would serve others unselfishly out of love. That's a wrap for our values as a church family. Now let us transition for the sake of time to session three. This is a long session, but we actually don't make this that long. We give you a lot of those blanks are filled in for your benefit. I will let you read this on your own time. You may have asked, what's the traditional background of Mercy Hill Church? Is it connected to anything before or is it simply a one-off? No, it's not. We actually have a family of churches from what is called the Restoration Movement. And now I'll break into some of these key uh, principles, distinguishing marks. So if you go to I uh, in that section, I will quickly cover a few things, and I will blow through this very rapidly here. So hang on to your hats. (laughs) And uh, some of these, are these filled in for you? No. Oh, good. I was worried that they were filled in. And uh, so these will give you at least a, a bit of a flavor of what our family of churches generally are like. And... There's not many of them in the lower mainland here, but if you go to the Midwest or even Alberta, there's many more Christian churches, otherwise known as Churches of Christ. And uh, so let's get into it. A distinguishing mark of our family of churches is unity. That's number one. And there's a strong desire. It's like a big tent approach to doing church. Uh, Let me just read the blurb there. Ecclesiastical traditions divide, but Christians should be able to find common ground by following the practice as best as it can be determined of the early church. So our DNA as a church is really looked at uh, and can be found in the New Testament, the book of Acts. That's how we do church. We just want to keep it simple. And again, we focus on the essentials. We don't get bogged down in some of the the secondary non-essential stuff. That's big for us. Secondly, although there's a lot of, there's been a lot of fights in our tradition as well, so we're somewhat uh, hypocritical. Uh, Number two distinguishing mark is that the Lord's Supper is celebrated each and every Sunday. The Lord's Supper is celebrated every Sunday. You may have noticed that. Some churches do it every month or quarterly. We do it every Sunday. And this is where that, this is why we do it. We just get it from this verse generally. And uh, we're not against other churches that do it less frequently. Uh, Would one of you read Acts 20 verse 7 there, please? Do you want me to read it? Sure. On the first day of the week, when we were gathered together to break bread, Paul talked with them, intending to depart on the next day, and he prolonged his speech until midnight. The first thing I love is that that was a very long sermon, so there's my uh, justification for long preaching sometimes. He (laughs) preached until midnight, and then someone (laughs) fell asleep, and then someone died, actually. (laughs) And then he raised from from the dead. There's a lot going on there. But anyhow, that's not the focus of this. Uh, To break bread. Can you uh, circle that? So that's, to break bread is code speak for participating in the Lord's Supper. Of course, they would do it in the context of a meal because there was wine, there was bread. It just made sense. It's very easy and very uh, 
manageable that way. Now, that's the first day of the week. So there was a, a bit of a pattern there. So that's kind of where we get it. The first day of the week is Sunday. So that's kind of why we do it. We don't make a big deal. We don't protest other churches like Hope Community down the street. I think does it monthly or quarterly, but we don't freak out about that. Mm -hmm. Lutheran churches would do it once a month or once quarterly, a month. once a yeah. month. And there's some wisdom to that because then it's a little more special. You know, you don't take it for granted as perhaps you might in a different situation, yeah. you know? Yeah. I like doing it every week. <laughs> oh, okay. Oh, that's okay. good. Yeah. The third distinguishing mark is baptism. And, uh, I'm going to, oh, I talked about that last session, so I'm not going to spend too much time on that. But baptism is simply an outward sign of an inward commitment. And uh, so we're big on believer baptism. Number four, Mark, is that each church is locally led by a team of elders. Each church locally led by a team of elders. So there's nothing, there's no one at a central office somewhere telling us what to do. Mm -hmm. Um there's pros and cons of that. There's probably some benefit to having some outside accountability as well, mm -hmm. uh, which we try to incorporate to some degree. But we are autonomous. Like no one's yeah. telling us how to run our church. And uh, basically, Paul instructs Titus there in one chapter 1, verse 5. This is why I left you in Crete, so that you might put what remained into order, appoint elders in every town. So he's trying to set up these churches to be autonomous. And that's why we do that as well. Key models and philosophies, uh, J, of the Restoration Movement group of churches is that, here we go, you ready? We're Christians, do you have these? We're Christians only. Aha. Only? Yeah, we're Christians only, but not the only Christians. We're Christians only. So, you know, a big thing about our founding fathers was that we don't call ourselves Baptist Christians or whatever your, your label is. We just keep it simple. We're just Christians, mm -hmm. but we're not the only Christians. So we're not sectarian, you know, yeah. Yeah. so we're not against the church down the street or assuming they're not true believers. No. Uh, again, big tent. Number two key motto is that where the scriptures speak, where the scriptures speak, we speak. Where the scriptures are silent, we are silent. Where the scriptures speak, we speak. Where the scriptures are silent, we are silent. So we kind of focus on what, what does the Bible clearly teach? And that's the, the main diet of our preaching and teaching. Um, you know, for example, we would never preach against uh, smoking, for example. We might say it might not be the wisest thing for your long-term health, but we're not gonna, you're not going to find that sermon that's uh, – because, again, the Bible doesn't – I don't think it was invented. It probably was invented by some, I think, the probably the, the indigenous peoples in North America, which they had no contact with any of them. I won't get bogged down in that. But that's why we don't get bogged down on stuff that is more on the sidelines scripturally or not even in the Bible. Uh, number three is that in essentials, unity. This is the third key motto. In essentials, kind of focus on the main things. Make the main thing your main thing. In essentials, unity. In opinions, liberty. In all things, love. In essentials, unity. In opinions, liberty. In all things, love. Actually comes from uh, Church Father Augustine from the 4th century. And we kind of just leveraged it to our own tribe. Uh, but there's a lot of wisdom uh, in that. Mm -hmm. And uh, we don't get bogged down in the, the, the minor details, okay? Um, next key motto is that we have no creed but Christ, no book but the Bible. So the original founding fathers, they found that creeds at that time, early 1800s, 
tended to divide some churches. I'm actually pro-creed, by the way, personally, because if it's built on, if there's a lot of creeds that are actually very biblical, and they're just simply statements that define what that thing is about the Bible, that doctrine. But they they were big on, you know what, and he's just, let's keep it simple, Jesus in the Bible, okay? And that's a motto. No creed but Christ, no book but the Bible. And the last key motto is this, and this one's interesting. <laughs> I kind of like the call Bible things by Bible names. And do Bible things by Bible ways. See what I mean? <laughs> call Bible things by Bible names. And do Bible things by Bible ways. And the idea is there, we're just trying to keep it simple. What does the Bible say? That's what we're going to focus on. And does it clearly teach that? Bang, that's what we want. If it doesn't clearly teach that, then it's an opinion. And yeah. we're not going to get bogged down on that or divide on that. Okay, and so this is the, the somewhat of a controversial thing here. But again, this is the founding fathers. At that time, early 1800s, there was a lot of denominational territorial spirit. Like there wasn't a lot of unity <laughs> And so that's why our movement sprang up out of that. Mm -hmm. And so the idea with this motto is that the names of human origin divide. Uh, but Christians should be able to find common ground by using biblical names for the church, i.e. Christian church, okay, or Church of God or Church of Christ, as opposed to Methodist or Lutheran. You know, and, and again, that was an issue at that time. I don't make a big deal on this today. Um, so... There you go. That's our history and background. And now let us move on. We're actually doing okay, I think. It's just bare. Oh, it is just after 10. And uh, are you guys doing okay? Yeah. Okay, sweet. Are you okay? Yeah, I'm, I'm doing fine, I think. <laughs> We're moving on to the final session, which is session four. We're almost done coming in for a landing here. And now we're getting to the nitty-gritty of what it means to be a church member in this church. <laughs> and I don't think there's too many things to be, not too much to be freaked out by here. Um, I don't think. and uh, But this is clarifying. And I found that, especially those without a church background, they you know, they find this to be very helpful because I had no idea that there this was kind of part and parcel of what it is to be a part of a, a local church. I thought I could just kind of show up and leave, you know. And, no, there's more to it than that, you know. And so here are some expectations for, uh, oh, I made a mistake. Oh, wait, did I change that for MHCC? Oh, I did. Good. I got to change that here. Four commitments for the Mercy Hill Church family members to do their best in. We are not that church that, what, where were you? You know, you, you know <laughs> where was your tithe? You know, <laughs> come on. Yeah, we're not that church. So we're saying, do your best, please, you know. Yeah. And so it's sort of like this unspoken agreement, although we ask you, ask you to sign something at, uh, when we follow up. Uh, so let's move on to the first key commitment for church fam family members to do their best in is simply to regularly attend Sunday service as best you can. Regularly attend Sunday service. I'm going to read a lot of this, by the way, so this might not be as uh, interesting as maybe some of the other stuff. But we ask simply be at church Sunday morning unless you're out of town, unless you're sick, or unless you have to work. And that's an issue for a lot of people. Make this a strong commitment, though, for you and your family if applicable. Make this a strong commitment. And that's what we ask. Uh, can I get one of you to read Hebrews 10, 24 and 25 there, please? And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Good. Can you circle not neglecting to meet together? And, and so that's basically working against, a, a, you know, this is what I find is 
is a, a pattern that develops of just not coming and the more you, the less a person comes the less you feel connected and the less motivated you feel like going <laughs> yeah, I agree. And it's tough yeah. it can be tough sometimes yeah. especially if you you know working on Sundays and mm-hmm. you know so that it's a tough thing to work against but we say you got to do it you got to work against that uh, the second bullet there is that it helps you grow so there's a benefit <laughs> uh, there's a benefit it helps you grow in your relationship with God especially when you don't feel like it and uh, you know, a lot of the times my kids don't feel like going to school, but we we tell them you got to go, and they, they just have to. You know, that's how they grow and develop. And same thing with church. You just sort of tell yourself, I got I got to do this. I don't feel like it. It was a rough night. Didn't get any sleep. And uh, and very often I feel that way. I you know I I, I probably feel negative. I, I'm, like I say, I can be a negative half glass empty personality and you come I come here and it's like the sermon is like I don't think that sermon is going to be good and I'm feeling pretty negative at 730 and then sure enough I feel great by the time it's all done it's like wow you know so I really enjoy your sermon oh I appreciate (laughs) it I should cut that out of the recording because it's going to sound like it's (laughs) (laughs) self-promoting but I appreciate that (laughs) thank you very much I appreciate that you appreciate the the sermons um the third thing there is simply your children, if applicable, will imitate your behavior. Your children will imitate. Um, and no, the, the number one influence on kids' future attendance patterns is the, the attendance pattern of their parents. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, and that that's that's not surprising, right? Um, and, and so that's that's why that's important as well. You know, even my own kids are twelve and thirteen, and I I know they're not terribly highly motivated to, to come here because it's an every Sunday kind of thing and they help with setup and takedown. We, my, my wife, my wife pays them. So that helps a little bit. Yeah. Um, but I know I felt the same way when I was their age yes. and, but I'm so glad my parents said, you know what, we got to do this. Mm-hmm. And, th- and I try to explain to my kids, this is why there's actually a benefit to you. You know, it's not just, you know, a, a negative, oh, you just have to do it. You know, I try not to do focus mm-hmm. on the negative yes. uh, and try to explain the big picture. And, uh, and they will be grateful that someday. <laughs> and they actually have pretty good attitudes uh, a lot of Sundays. Yeah. Uh, let's move on to the second key expectation or commitment for church members is simply to join a community group. To join a community group. We understand this, this is difficult, but we're asking you to, to at least try. And we're asking you to get connected to Christ and other people. Uh, church is a family, so... It's tough sometimes to go deep on Sunday mornings with other people because we're kind of here and we're doing stuff and we're here. It's like we're, we're here and then we're gone, you know, and uh, it's we want to put you in a place where you're connecting with other people in some way. Uh, so our lives will only be changed and transformed to the degree that we are experiencing and practicing community. So we ask, thirdly, attend your community group regularly unless you're out of town, sick, or you have to work. And we're asking you to... Make this one of the highest priorities in your week. Try to schedule other other things around it. Um, I remember somebody back in the early days was like, well, Survivor, you know, the group meets on Thursday nights. I think it was Thursday nights at that time. <laughs> is it still on on Thursday nights? Is it still going? Yeah. Is it? <laughs> Are you a fan? Yeah. <laughs> and they're like. But now you can PVR it. There yeah, you yeah. go. Yeah, there's options now. Back then there wasn't, I don't think. No. And their thing was, I can't go on Thursday nights. I got Survivor. And I think I actually, I called them to, I said, seriously, come on, you know. <laughs> Come on, like there's v- there was VCRs back then too. I yeah. think so. Yeah. Anyhow, so that's we're trying to eliminate some of those 
you know, not great excuses. And again, there's a benefit there to, to for spiritual growth. Uh, the third key commitment for church members is to find a place to volunteer and to serve. To find a place to volunteer and to serve. And um, let me just read... I think we read that already. You know what we did. Is there blanks uh, in yeah. that scripture? So verse 7 says, To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. To each is given the manifestation of the, of the Spirit for the common good. So you've received a, a spiritual gift for a purpose, not just to receive it, but to actually outflow it. You know, not like the Dead Sea. No, we want to be like a, a fresh, living, vibrant stream outflow of God's power in our lives. Um, and it's amazing. Like I even think, again, we're so dependent as a church on our volunteers. If these volunteers weren't using their spiritual gifts, like mean, we just wouldn't exist as a church. And so we are very dependent. Um, did you have something you wanted to share? No. Okay, no, no. good. Okay, let's yeah. find a ministry team that's right for you. And then third bullet, be sure not to overcommit. So the last thing we want to see is you being burned out by serving. And we're trying to be as sensitive as we can. We know how busy people are. I think we know or try to try to know. And uh, we want to respect people's times and schedules because especially with kids and families and all the rest, uh, we want to uh, ensure that we're not burning anybody out. Last but not least is the fourth key commitment for church members is to give sacrificially of your finances, to give sacrificially. All right, so here we go. I'll just go through this. Uh, first bullet, pray about it. So we actually want you to have a meeting with Jesus about this first. And then, if you're married, have a meeting with your spouse. And then, decide on an amount that stretches your faith. Decide on an amount that stretches your faith. Um, you know, something that, okay, you'll feel this, this amount, okay? Okay. Um, and God honors that sacrifice. Uh, 2 Corinthians 9.7, it says, Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. If you look at the original Greek that this verse was written in, have you heard this before? The, the Greek word for cheerful is hilarious, the root word. It's the same, the same root word in English as hilarious. So, so imagine you're, you're giving being a hilarious. Am I writing this check for this much? That's hilarious. <laughs> so anyhow, but it's that kind of idea, basically fueled by joy. I want to give to Jesus indirectly through this local church so that more people can meet Jesus, be transformed by him. And uh, there's that desire and uh, so that's kind of the motivation. The Bible teaches in your notes that each Christian is to support those who teach and lead. All right. So that sounds very self-serving, I realize, but <laughs> it's what the, it's in the Bible. Um, so there is that aspect to it. First Corinthians 9.14. In the same way, the Lord commanded that those who proclaim the gospel should get their living uh, by the gospel. All right. So there is that aspect to it. Now, Paul chose not to receive he got he received financial help but in the corinthian church he chose not to because they were such pieces of work he didn't want them to use that against him uh they were using trying to find any excuse to you know battle paul so he chose you know what i'm not going to take a salary or a paycheck here uh, i'm just going to be a volunteer just like you guys and uh, but anyhow there is that aspect those who proclaim the gospel to make their living by the gospel third bullet in order for mercy hill church to accomplish our god-given mission and for us to grow we will require significant resources 
So just to function as a church, yeah, it does cost some money. And the fourth thing there under that fourth key commitment is God blesses those who sacrificially give. Now, I want to, to be careful about this because it's possible to read into it that sort of a health and wealth gospel. If I give, then God's going to bless me back, guaranteed, you know, and I'm going to get healthy. I'm going to get rich. You know, if only yeah. uh, I had a family member who had that wrong understanding and uh, he, he was really wanting to succeed in his business. And so he dropped a, a check for I don't know how much thousands, as, assuming and sort of banking on that God would bless his business in return. And just a, a while later, he went bankrupt. So it, I think God was teaching him, that's the wrong motivation. That's the wrong. <laughs> but at the same time, when you do give, there's a blessing that comes back. Sometimes it's material blessing where God, yeah, he does take care of our needs if we trust him. Mm-hmm. And then also spiritual blessings. My faith grows. And I don't know if I get into this or not. Uh, here we go. Second Corinthians 9, 6. The point is this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Whoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly. Whoever sows bountifully will reap uh, bountifully. And and he's talking about finances in this passage, which is interesting. And uh, I know my wife and I, I want to be somewhat careful here, but um, like I, I am a cheapskate. I mean, I'm Dutch and Scottish, perfect storm of cheapness. And it's, it was hard for me. Tammy was really the one that spurred us on to, to start tithing 10% of our, our, our gross income. And I'm like, I, I don't know about that. And uh, so we started that early on, thanks to her, um, you know, just saying we have to do this. And, you know, over the years, like when we got into our first home here in the West Coast, I remember that time. And we needed, we needed a lot of money to make that happen. This is 2007. And the only way that that happened was... Uh, unsolicited, we received close to something like $28,000 cash from unexpected sources. And this is after deciding to buy a house. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden that money was there. Well, thank goodness it was there because we needed every penny of it to get into a home and and closing costs. And, and, oh, it was nuts. And it's just like, there he goes again, you know. (laughs) Thank you, God. And it didn't make us rich, but it sure helped. And, you know, there was that that principle, what you, you sow into there's yeah. a connection. Wes, or sorry, what do I have? Mercy Hill Church? Mercy yeah. Hill Church believes giving 10% a tithe of your income is a good biblical principle. We don't see it as the law for church members. We leave that up to you and Jesus. Uh, but we think it's a good biblical principle, a great place to start in your giving. And they're in your notes or later in your, your binders there. There's a whole section. It's actually a sermon on giving <laughs> that I just put in print. Mm. And some of it's in capitalized letters, uh, which is kind of weird. But that's how I preach and how I type uh, and prepare my messages. Yeah. But it gives a whole nice historical layout of giving. Like history of tithing. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And that can, can be helpful. Um, it was helpful for me going through it and just to remind me of, of sort of the idea of this idea of giving. Uh, to your local church. And so that's what we say about that. And I think that's all I've got to share today. Wow, we came in right on time, 10 15. Look at that. That's amazing. Yeah. And so basically, the, the teaching of this uh, second session of church membership class comes to a close. We'll see you guys later.